0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Your Intention Matters, the podcast. Thank you very much for joining us on this one. My name, of course, is still Paul Middott. I'm pretty excited about this episode. Today, I have Dr. Christopher Downing. He is superintendent of the Anaheim Elementary School District coming to us from, I have to see beautiful Southern California, right?
1: Right. You have to.
0: I have to, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. otherwise... Doing it a total disservice. So, listen, Doctor Downing. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, Do me a favor. uh, Do me a favor. Say hi to everybody. Provide a quick intro, and then uh, we'll jump into your episode.
1: All right. Thank you. Hi everyone. My name is uh, Doctor Chris Downing. Uh, This is my thirty-third year in education, and I am the proud superintendent of the Anaheim Elementary School District. Uh, We have approximately fifteen thousand students. And uh, we call ourselves the amazing AESD because of some of the great programs that we have and opportunities for all of our students every single day.
0: Uh, Married, father, both,
1: neither? Uh, Happily married. uh, This year I'll be celebrating my 25th anniversary. Proud father of two. My oldest daughter attends uh, UC San Diego. And my youngest daughter is a sophomore in high school.
0: Amazing, and so listen. I, 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 what I know about your world is superintendent is the equivalent of like CEO of the district. So, uh, here we are, middle of April, closing out the year. I know you're stretched, so I appreciate you being here. And with that said, thank you. Uh, let's jump into your journey. So, you know that the title of the podcast is called "Your Intention Matters," right? And that's really been built on my foundation that nothing is really given to any of us, quite frankly. Most of us. Uh, aren't even doing what we thought we'd be doing you know in terms of our career and most of us have big decisions to make along the way meandering paths and nothing's nothing but a straight line and so on and with that said I'm ready to go you ready to jump into your journey
1: ready to jump in all
0: right here we go so listen so we go back in time on this podcast and so let's go back to the late 80s Interesting time, 89, you, UCLA, you're a Bruin, I see here psychology. And so tell me, Chris, when you were graduating, did you have a vision for what you thought you'd be doing? Or were you like most of us kind of having like, well, let me get my degree and then okay, we'll figure it out.
1: Well, um, I like to go back a little further than that. My uh, Both my parents are educators, lifelong educators, uh, both served within the Los Angeles Unified School District for over 50 years. So growing up, um, I had a chance uh, to go with my mother sometimes during summer school. And uh, I would tutor some of the students that were in her classroom. And I really enjoyed it. And it, it was an opportunity to make a difference. So as I was uh, completing you know, my uh, undergrad work at UCLA, uh, an opportunity arose. You know, uh, the district, Los Angeles Unified School District, was hiring teachers, and I decided to give it a try. Um, you know, I had some experiences in terms of being a tutor, so it looked like a great opportunity. Um, I was assigned to a school in South Los Angeles, and uh, immediately upon arriving, just to interact with some of the students that were coming from some severely disadvantaged homes, um, some real barriers, just in terms of, you know, having uh, the necessities to be successful, it, it really impacted me. And I knew instantly that I had made the right decision.
0: Your, your first opportunity as a, as a teacher, uh, as a part of your profession, were you elementary school, middle school, were you high school?
1: Elementary school, uh, I started with uh, second grade. I ended up teaching almost every grade in elementary, uh, sixth grade, which, um, although it's considered middle school now at the time, you know, it was uh, elementary. So, just uh, an opportunity to teach different grade levels and have a better understanding of the developmental and academic growth of students.
0: Did you enjoy it right away?
1: Yes, I did. Um, there's nothing like teaching, you know, an opportunity to to change a life um, just by, you know, sharing knowledge or or helping a child understand how to read, which is a life skill that you know is going to impact them for years to come. Uh, it's just it brings me joy, and again, coming from a family of educators, uh, I should also note uh, my. My older brother, one of my older brothers, uh, is actually in education. Also, uh, uh, many of my nieces and nephews, my wife is an educator. So, uh, it just is an opportunity. It's a calling, I think. I, uh, you know, I feel like once you get in education, you will know instantly if it's right for you.
0: You know, it's interesting that you say that because as we were speaking before I hit record, I, you and I were just getting updated a little bit on each other. And I let you know that you know, my wife and I, we have two kids yeah, and they're now eight and six. And so if you were starting in year one, you'd be teaching my daughter because she's in grade two. Right. And, and it's amazing to me. Um, and I want to chat with you about this uh, as we think about your career, but sure. it's funny, she and I we were talking, and I, I I just I said to her I asked her a legitimate question. It turns out she thought I was from Mars with this question, but I said, "Theres your teacher right on the blackboard?" And she goes, "What's that? Like she had no clue, right? And so right. Uh, I, can't, I can't wait to hear about your journey because I imagine there have been, significant shifts and changes to the whole industry from start to finish. And so you mentioned, so you started in elementary school, and it sounds like you had an opportunity to teach multiple different grades over your time. Did you have any one favorite grade?
1: I I think sixth grade. I um, I enjoyed sixth grade, just uh, the challenges. um, You know, I, I had a a class uh, that uh, was put together with some uh, concerns uh, regarding behavior. You know, it was thought that I, I could make a difference in the lives of of a particular class that I'm thinking of now. And, you know, together we did. We, you know, we uh, excelled uh, academically and I saw just a tremendous growth from the students. And um, it was just an opportunity, as I said earlier, to to make a difference in their lives, and uh, it's it, it's very interesting. You know, occasionally I bump into students uh, that I had an opportunity to uh, teach, and you know, it's it's just great when you hear that uh, they appreciate it—the uh, time yeah. in the classroom, the time we spent together—and they have gone on, you know, to make great, you know, accomplishments in their lives, whether it be through having a family or their careers, but. Uh, They just turned out to be the great people that, you know, when you're a teacher, you always can see that potential in students. You
0: know, uh, as you were speaking, I I was smiling because uh, I have maybe, if I think about my Facebook profile, half a dozen different teachers that I've known over the years, now I see them as adults, but I remember like as a kid, they, they were just going through some of the moments in, in those grades. So I'm not the least bit surprised yeah. that with the length of time you've been in education, that you have people still coming back to you saying, hey, I remember this. And it's, it's, it's right. got to be so gratifying to hear that, uh, that you, you made such a positive, like lasting impact on them overall.
1: Yes, uh, very yeah. rewarding. And, um, you know, just continuing along with the journey, uh, following, you know, classroom teaching, uh, I had an opportunity to become a mentor and help other teachers. And then I got into uh, administration, uh, both at the school site and uh, ultimately in the uh, central office with the Los Angeles Unified School District. Um, My initial uh, venture to the central office, I had an opportunity to uh, coordinate a literacy program And we were working with over 100 uh, highly impacted schools across Los Angeles Unified School District. And the opportunity to help bring uh, phonics and phonemic awareness and a love for literature uh, was another uh, great step in my career. Um, You know, uh, this ultimately led to an opportunity for me to uh, lead, actually, a, a data uh, branch and it was an opportunity to to help some schools that were struggling uh, better understand some of the causes uh, for you know the uh, barriers to academic achievement and to to help you know these schools progress. Um, following that, I, I, I had an opportunity to uh, serve as a principal at an elementary school and. Um, this was just uh, a great opportunity. It was a, a school of uh, students that, you know, really uh, appreciated the opportunity to, to work with the great teachers that were at the school. And, you know, we, we did our best to be highly engaging and to provide just different activities where students could connect with school. And, and I think that's so important. You know, when you think about your children, Paul, yeah. just, you know, how does the school reach out? How does the school make you feel a part of their learning? I think that is something that really can inspire us to really be involved. Or if we don't uh, get those invitations, if we don't have those opportunities, then we might look at school differently. And that impacts the children. So, uh, as part of education, it's really important, parent engagement is something that uh, I highly value. And uh, it's something that um, ultimately, uh, I became actually uh, the director for parent engagement for the Los Angeles Unified School District, uh, just because of, you know, some of my experiences along the way of of working with parents and, and having an opportunity to learn from them, as well as provide opportunities for them to be involved. And, you know, that was a, Uh, a memorable opportunity. Um, If you can imagine uh, the second largest school district in the United States and having an opportunity to really help shape and improve how parents are engaged, which obviously helps the learning of students. So that was a a memorable opportunity that I
0: experienced. You know, Joel Rogan hosts a podcast that is something like two to three hours long usually, and I feel like I could just take my podcast cap off right now and just put my parent cap on, yeah. and I think we could record like a six-hour podcast with you because, uh, you as know. a parent, I, I'm I'm totally dialed in on what you're saying right now, yeah. and so so in your thirty-plus years in education mm-hmm. overall, how many years were you actually a teacher?
1: Uh, nine years. So um, nine years. side in a teaching position, and um, it's been about twenty-three or t- yeah, twenty. It will be the end of my twenty fourth year, actually. I think as an administrator coming up.
0: So, so nine years, you know, on the front lines, you know, right in the room, and so I I want to ask you a couple of questions. The first question is, um, how did your your background in psychology benefit you in, in your various different classrooms over the years? When you think about your first nine years in education,
1: I would say my background in psychology helped me understand. Uh, the development of children, you know, what to expect based on their age, and I feel just helping me be empathetic to some of the barriers uh, that I I saw in students, some of the traumas that were impacting them in in their home life or in the community, and um, be a a support for them. So I I think my background prepared me well uh, to be an educator and uh, immediately upon uh, entering the district, I, I started taking additional classes and coursework to improve my craft as a teacher. You know that that was critical piece.
0: And so Dr. Downing, you know during your your nine year run, so to speak, I imagine you know as you're speaking, I'm listening to you I'm hearing you say it was obviously very rewarding for a number of different reasons. And after that length of time, What was behind, if I heard you correctly, did you say you went into admin next? And and if so, um, what was behind that decision? And was it a a long, drawn out, hard decision for you, as I imagine it probably was? Or was it, okay, I've kind of put my time in and I want to do something next with my career?
1: Well, I was fortunate to have a a great principal who uh, encouraged me and um, was giving me opportunities to... um, you know, uh, do administrative uh, activities and projects. Um, During this time, I did uh, attend Pepperdine and I I sought my administrative credentials. So uh, once I had it, um, again, uh, my principal at the time, and I wanna say, uh, hi, Bernie Goldstein, (laughs) who was very influential in my life, just continued to encourage me and explain to me that although you leave the classroom, um, you still have an opportunity to change lives. Um, You can, you know, support multiple classrooms and multiple uh, sets of students. And um, I would say, you know, although the first, you know, part of my career was in the classroom, I'm still a teacher, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in all of my positions that I've held, you know getting in classrooms, talking to teachers, how can identifying how we can better support their efforts um, and, and you know i'm I'll, I'll always be a teacher and uh, you know again it's an honor to 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 be so
0: did you make the transition from teaching to administration uh, within the same district at the time?
1: Uh, yes, I did um, my career I, I spent the first twenty nine years in the Los Angeles Unified School District, uh, where I attended as a student. And uh, I've been honored the last four years to be the superintendent of the Anaheim Elementary School District.
0: Fair enough. And so how many years were you on the administration side within the the LA Unified District? Um,
1: Remember how many years? I would say uh, approximately 20.
0: Okay. Fair enough. And then you moved over. Did you say data? You went to, was it a data branch?
1: Yeah, data. Um, I've had a number of different uh, great opportunities that have helped shape me. I I, I spent some time in the federal and state uh, programs office. Um, Again, I was the director of parent engagement. And uh, then I was an instructional director uh, Mm -hmm. where I was responsible for uh, 20 uh, schools historically underserved in the South Los Angeles area and uh, you know working with uh, 20 principals who were very committed to making a difference for students. we implemented some programs that um, really called on high expectations, a focus on literacy and writing and we were in mathematics and we were able to make some gains. Um, And then I had an opportunity to become a uh, local district superintendent in the Los Angeles Unified School District. The district is so huge, it's broken into geographic areas. So I was responsible for 147 schools uh, spanning from South Los Angeles area all the way to uh, San Pedro. Um, And there were just different conditions in different areas and communities that really impacted me and helped me to see uh, the need for equity and access for all students. And, you know, that's one of my mantras. uh, It's something I truly believe in. And uh, having the opportunity to be here in the Anaheim Elementary School District, it's something I've worked with our Board of Education and our stakeholders. Uh, We have uh, different opportunities that are now present in every single school. So, Whatever school you attend in this district, you have an opportunity to participate in a dual language program. Uh, whatever school you attend, you have an opportunity to learn how to play five to six different instruments. Uh, we have STEAM focused. So, you know, it's very important to me and I, and I think it should be for all educators that what's good enough for one student is good enough for another. And it's our job to make sure that every student that walks through our door has the same opportunity to experience high quality instruction, no matter where you know, they are, no matter where they come
0: from. You know, I can hear the passion in your voice. And I imagine that operating in a in a public system, you're limited with reach and, and budget and dollars and and you, you try and you know do without and manage as best you can. And I I want to ask you a question. You know, when I usually host this podcast, it's very common for me to have Sales professionals on, and I'll see a progression in their career where they'll start off as a salesperson, move into a sales manager, then maybe a director, then maybe a vice president of sales, and so on. And while pardon me, well, it's a little bit different in education the, the The progression is the same because I want to talk to you about the decision to move into being a principal. I imagine that you can be a dynamic, amazing, impactful teacher not necessarily translate very well into being a principal. It's a totally different job and vice versa. You can be maybe an average teacher, someone who you know, kind of gets it, but then be a really effective principal. And so I'm curious about this. Number one, um, is my understanding correct that there are two vastly different jobs, number one in skill sets, or number two, what was behind the decision to make the move? Did you kind of raise your hand or did you get tapped on the shoulder and say, hey, hey Dr. Downing, we want you to move into this next part of your career?
1: Uh, It was a combination. You know, I I did have to uh, seek the opportunity to become a principal. Uh, I was getting encouragement from, you know, some of my supervisors, uh, people who uh, knew me and appreciated, I I, I think, sort of the mindset that uh, I bring to education. Um, You said something that I would like to just clarify. I think. You're an effective principal if you continue to understand what teachers are experiencing every day. Uh, you have to continue to be a teacher. You have to understand how the decisions you make impact right. instruction in the classroom. And if you don't do that, I don't think you will be an effective principal or or an administrator. So when I said uh, I'm still a teacher, you know, whether you're a superintendent or not, if you lose that mindset, if you, if you fail to understand what our teachers are going through every single day and, you know, just as we're coming hopefully out of this pandemic, you know, I think that sort of philosophy was very important to just understand how many hours teachers were putting in, you know, there's this myth or this um, wholesale approach to say, well, we were in distance learning. It was, you know, it it wasn't really school and it was quite the opposite. Our teachers were working as hard as ever putting in more hours than ever just to engage with students uh, virtually. It it took a whole different uh, preparation level. It took an immediate shift. And I'm so proud of the education world for being able to do
0: that. I remember as we closed out, uh, or, or I should say when we st- we closed out 2021, like this, the school year starts in September of 2020, closes out into at least up here in Canada in June of yeah. 2021. And my son was in kindergarten and my daughter was in grade one and my daughter was in French immersion. Okay. So half English, all French and trying to learn that language up here right. in Canada. And I remember saying to both their teachers, that teachers should be paid like $800 million a year because I've never had such an appreciation for, I've always respected the job. I always have. I've been through, obviously, a student for a long time, but I've I've never been a teacher of kids. And to go through what they went through during the pandemic, virtual Google meets and so on. It's like, and my kids were in grade one in kindergarten, and it was like controlled chaos trying to get these kids. And I would hear some of the teachers in in their classes. And I think that is just amazing that what they can do because everybody is used to being in the room. That's how you that's how you teach, right? That's all we know. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, how do you do this and do it effectively? And so I have much respect for yourself and everybody who had to manage that a couple of And I want to talk to you about that. Sure. But I'm curious about when you first started, uh, as a principal number, first of all, how many years were you a principal? Uh,
1: three,
0: three years. Okay. Yeah. Um, was the transition harder for you than you thought, or was it a pretty easy one for you?
1: No, it, it wasn't harder than I thought, you know, I, um, uh, prepared, uh, for it. And, um, you know, I, embraced a philosophy just to work with the stakeholders of the school. Uh, It's one that I still embrace. You know, uh, I'm a collaborative leader, I would say, if you had to put a title to it. Uh, You know, you have to have ongoing conversations with your stakeholders to understand the challenges that are there and to come to, you know, a common vision. Uh, There's a saying I like to say, if you're the only one with a vision, it might be an hallucination. So you have to, it has to be a shared vision of your stakeholders as you move any organization forward, whether it's a school, whether it's a district. So uh, the transition wasn't difficult and I, and I really enjoyed it, you know, just being there, uh, interacting with students, uh, doing lunch duty, you know, being there in the morning greeting parents. So no, it wasn't a difficult transition at all.
0: Let's talk about another transition. Twenty-nine years with one district, yeah. and now you make the move over to the Anaheim Unified School District, yeah. elementary school district. After the better part of three decades, uh-huh. you know, under one firewall, yeah. I have to know how did you make that decision, and I I can't imagine it was an overnight decision for you.
1: No, it was a difficult decision, but it was uh, just a great opportunity. This district, you know, just uh, the philosophy and the support for students was something that, you know, I was eager to uh, lead. And, you know, when I was uh, honored to uh, be hired in the district, um, you know, once arriving, I, I knew it was the right decision for me and for my family. Uh, just the opportunity to, to be, uh, you know, a superintendent um, in the state of California uh there's not many uh, African-American superintendents and, you know, opportunities are, are to be a superintendent in general are scarce. Mm. So when one arises, um, you know, I, I, it just seemed like the right thing to do. And I'm, I'm very pleased uh, and not only pleased with the outcomes, but just the opportunity to work with some great people here in Anaheim.
0: And are you in your fourth year now? Your yes. fourth school year? Yes. All right. So let's chat about this because we've been talking about COVID, and and I don't make light of COVID at all. Um, my wife is a nurse, and so we've had to manage yes. the front lines and and the mental stress that goes with that, and masking, and so on. And I I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, most of your tenure as the superintendent has been in uniquely unique waters. Where it's it hasn't been start in September, start in August, you go to school for eight hours a day and you go home homework, it's been very different and what, what I'm curious about is the district, were you ready for a COVID? Or did, were you guys totally caught by surprise on how to do this and how did we get one to, I remember having conversations with our schools where they had to realize, well, how did we get, not everybody has internet at home and how do we get laptops to people and these Chromebooks? And it was just like, the schools did such a fantastic job where I live. I felt it was just remarkably solid for what they did. But I'm always fascinated by like, were they kind of prepared for this? Did they have like a, how do we do this now? Like, what was it like? Were you prepared for any type of disruption in the going to school, in school way of doing things?
1: Well, uh, we were fortunate in that we already had a focus on technology and, you know, as a resource and a tool. Um, we had uh, recently purchased additional Chromebooks so that okay. all of our students we were a one-to-one district. So um, as the conditions worsened and we were you know, forced to go to distance learning, um, the day that our board you know, voted for us to shift over. Um, we were able to send home all of our devices. Um, and then for the next couple of weeks, uh, for those students who might not have been there on that Friday or students that uh, their device had some issues, we were able to replace them uh, and get our students up and running. Um, because you know our district did have this focus on technology we had different programs where students had experience in using their Chromebooks and accessing uh, sort of our platforms, uh, but it did. It, it took, um, you know, it took um, our team working just um, endless hours, I would say, to, to start to identify what this next phase of education was going to look like. Um, just thinking back at the time, no one thought that you know when we closed, everyone thought it would be short term, right. Um, but you know, things continue at the time to worsen, and you know, we just continue to provide as much training as we could for teachers and um, for parents on how to help their children access the platforms for students. Um, and it was just. Um, I think just a a great accomplishment uh, due to the serious conditions that we all faced uh, to be up and running. And it took us probably uh, about two weeks before uh, we reached um, a point where every single day, all of our students were able to access their teacher and participate in a full day of instruction. But during that two week period, we did, we had activities that helped us build capacity for the day that we rolled out our our, our distance learning program. And, you know, based on feedback from our stakeholders, uh, you know, everyone appreciated the opportunities that were provided and, you know, that students continue to learn despite the conditions
0: you know, well, I have much respect for what you and your colleagues had to go through, because you know, I went through it as just as a parent. Yes. And and so I'm focused on two kids. and And that's all my concern is, of course. And then here, you know, you have, you know, you have your colleagues and people in the front lines, you know, in the room trying to really be totally vested in maybe 20 to 30 kids per class and it's just it's phenomenal to me how it's how it's worked out because i i would listen to some of the classrooms and i think how are they how are they pulling this off and and you know my daughter is in french immersion so she's learning a whole new language in grade one and she's doing it through google classroom and it was like how does she even know french now like it's it's amazing to me so uh, you know, Dr. Downing, I really appreciate you being here. Uh, you know, w- we've touched on your career, which has been just fascinating to me over the length of time under one industry. I want to talk to you about um, your decision to go to U- USC and get your doctorate. And you know, I, I have I, I know colleagues of mine who who've gone you know back to school to get their executive MBA, a one or two year program, and yet they still maintain their full time job, and they're married and they have kids and and, and getting, getting like that type of um, a, a, a degree designation, that is no picnic. And, and when, you're, when you're trying to you know, still provide and work. And so I'm curious about the decision to go back to school and when was that and how long was it? And, and how was it for you when you were doing it at the time?
1: Um, it was challenging. And um, you know, the superintendent of uh, Los Angeles Unified School District at the time uh, encouraged uh, myself and two other of the local district superintendents uh, to, you know, seek our doctorate to at least, um, you know, give it some thought. Um, you know, I, I attended a, a couple of events at USC and uh, I really uh, thought this would be something that would benefit me, um, just to have exposure to research and. Um, other peers in different districts. It was uh, challenging, but at the same time, very rewarding. And I learned so much uh, through the program. I just always want to thank my family for their patience uh, during that time and their support and, you know, just encouragement um, to just keep fighting uh, through any challenges. And, uh, you know, it was uh it was truly a a rewarding experience. And I'm so glad that um, I I did it.
0: You know, Dr. Downing, I I just have one more question for you. And this is, it's the most serious, important question I have of the entire podcast. (laughs) Are you a Bruin or are you a Trojan?
1: I am a combination of the two.
0: (laughs) So whoever wins.
1: Well, um, you know, I, I love both schools and, Um, I had uh, the best of times at both so uh, they're both uh, near and dear in my heart and I don't choose one over the other so I I would say uh, and that's not a political answer that's a great answer really a Bruin and a Trojan
0: well Dr. Downing listen I have much respect for what you uh, and your teammates do I sincerely do and I so appreciate you taking the time to share your story thanks so much for being here
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here, and uh, again, uh, to your listeners, uh, I appreciate the preparation that you have and the insight on on parents and and what has happened over these last two years, and uh, I would encourage anyone who's out there, if you've thought about being an educator, uh, please uh, pursue that. Uh, In many areas now, there's a shortage of qualified teachers and this generation of students needs people who are committed to making a difference so if you're out there and it's something you've thought about please pursue it education world would benefit from you becoming a part of what we do
0: well said and thank you thank you you're welcome all right everybody let's wrap this episode up right now remember your intention matters why because that's the result you'll tend to get we're out of here. We'll do it again next week. And Dr. Ghani, thanks again for being
1: Thank you for the